grab your favorite beverage, kick up your feet as you ascend with me into the joy portal of soul reflections, fresh perspectives, fun ideas, and wisdom. Light to light and heart to heart. Smile and breathe even deeper as together we will soar above the perception of all hurdles and shine brightly as the light we are. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to Light Laughter and Lattes. My name is Jerry Habstreet. I'm an Avesa quantum healer, medical intuitive, self-ascension intuitive counselor, and your host for Light Laughter and Lattes. Welcome, everyone. I am just fresh back from Indonesia. So we, I believe we were missing a show in there, and that is the reason why. Um, today, today is going to be a great topic. It is about how to access the pure consciousness, um, otherwise known probably as meditation for many of you. I know oftentimes people are challenged with meditation. And in today's society of lots of distraction energy, lots of busyness, lots of stress, anxiety, depression, all of those things, Meditation is a fantastic tool, and I have a couple of fantastic people here to assist us with the technique in into finding your way to that pure consciousness and calming the mind. So first, I want to say a welcome to everyone who's listening live here via Oneness Talk Radio YouTube and Facebook. Hi, I'm glad you're here. And jump into the chat and say hi, and you can ask your questions today as well. And then hello also to all of you who will be listening via podcast later. I am so glad you're here with us. So I would like to jump right in and introduce my two co-hosts, and their names are Sivan Hassett and Rachel Reed Wilkie. And they are co-conspirators in all things with heavy emphasis on spirit, which together they've been exploring since the day they met. Throughout the years, they have collaborated on numerous projects in the arts, both in Los Angeles and New York. Their time in the East Village culminated in a monumental exhibition, Documents of Love, at the famed Hossfeld Gallery in Chelsea where the couple exhibited a diverse body of work, poetry, paintings, photography, a short film to the attendance of thousands. Upon returning to Los Angeles, Sivan and Rachel founded Riot Material Magazine, a now thriving and widely read liberal cultural magazine with its eye on art, word, and forward-aiming thought. Rachel and C are the rare married couple who not only work and create together, but practice together day after day, side by side, often knee to knee, in the singular pursuit of knowing the deeper self beyond the conceptual self, that timeless eternal being which bursts forth the temporal one. To that end, the couple live in contemplative retreat at their high desert ranch in the northern Mojave, a sacred landscape which sits just below the 12,000-foot peaks of the eastern Sierra Nevadas. Here, beyond their full immersion into meditative practice, Sivan wrote Entering the Mind, while Rachel delivered to the world her inaugural spoken song album titled Eleven. So 
Welcome, Sivan and Rachel. Hi, thank you for having us. Absolutely. So glad to have you here today. And I want to say hi, Batia. I see that you're in here. Thanks for jumping in the chat. (laughs) Um, So share with me a little bit. I know you have a great spiritual practice um, or, or a way of reaching that meditative state. I want to get to that. But first of all, share you know, what What drove you into this direction? I know many people who are on this journey have some sort of awakening or some sort of knowing as a child or something that, that brings them into this direction. Um, yes, thank you. And, and thank you again for having us here today. Mm. We're so happy to be with you and your audience and share our story. <laughs> um, well, I can speak for myself first. I had... Um, what could be considered an idyllic childhood. I grew up in the English countryside. Um, I grew up surrounded by nature. So as a young girl, I would run around with my friends, barefoot, getting dirty in the earth. And I spent a lot of time in nature. And spending that time in nature, I, I just, I never felt alone. I felt that I had spirit around me um, all the time. And although I didn't have the words to put to it, it was a feeling, it was a knowing, it was a it was a sense of knowing that this beautiful earth around had this vibration energy that was um, one of goodness and love and support and, and of a nurturing nature. So I, I experienced that as a child, but I suppose like many youngsters and teenagers, um, I just dreamt about uh, escaping <laughs> that tranquility and hitting the big cities. So I, I did leave and, I, and I, I was fortunate to live in different countries in Europe, Italy and Sweden and France. And um, I eventually made my way to New York and, and then Los Angeles. And it wasn't really until about 10 years ago when um, C&I found um, this incredible um, property in the Eastern Sierras in the desert, in the high Mojave Desert, where I felt that I was coming home to nature. And that is where I I really reconnected with not only the spirit of nature, but I, I recognized that that spirit was also within me. And so I think that's where I re-found myself in my spiritual path. Um, I know C has a, a different story that he can share too. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, so it was kind of anti-idyllic. <laughs> um, but it was it was good enough to drive me towards... Uh, some sort of, you know, the seeking of a higher meaning of why why are we on this planet? I think all of us are driven in one form or another to uh, these higher questions. Um, and I, I really wasn't finding any good answers until I was probably in my early 30s when I stumbled on the Dzogchen teachings and, and they, for the first time, made sense to me. Uh, they, they, weren't, they were ticking every single box. Um, whereas so much of what I'd been reading and pursuing, uh, in the years prior, you know, gave, gave rise to some decent answers, but never really felt true. Um, so Dzogchen is beautiful because it, it is one with nature. It is, it, 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 you know, everything that we trust and know about nature comes to, comes to fruition in the Dzogchen teachings. 
And, you know, if, if there's one thing we could trust on this planet is the planet. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that's where I just settled in and I said, okay, this, I'm going to go deep into this tradition. And it really is a, a, a magnificent tradition. So that's, that's where you were guided at the very beginning when you first started asking questions and that's kind of where you've stayed. Well, um, in LA, there wasn't much, but uh, much else, but Christianity, we were a Catholic family. And so there, all the signposts around me were saying, you know, go to God. Um, and you know, we went to church every week and the behaviors that I was seeing at home and the behaviors that I was seeing in our family was like, uh, this is completely antithetical to, you know, the, the, the so-called Christian tradition. And so it was a big jumble for me. And then I started uh, seeking out the Native American teachings and that started to make sense because it was really dealing with the earth traditions mm -hmm. and speaking to a consciousness that really felt wiser and more one-to-one. -one. And then ultimately that though, um, somehow it still felt like it wasn't my own. Um, and even though Dzogchen comes out of the Tibetan tradition, it is universal. Uh, so I, I just stumbled on Dzogchen in the early 90s and pursued it with vigor and pursued the teachers, pursued the teachings through text, and um, I haven't turned back. So, so describe the Zochen a little bit. Is it mostly um, a meditative practice, or is it a um, is it a whole? I, I don't know how to describe it. Is it a meditative practice, or is it a whole um, like spiritual belief system? You couldn't really even call it a spiritual system, although it's pointing directly there. It is a meditative practice, and it's the one practice on the planet that points you directly to your own inner nature. It shows you how to look at the mind with it beneath the mind, the non-conceptual mind beneath the conceptual mind. And this is where all the wisdom is. This is where all the love is just down there, just waiting for us to access. And so we, the Dzogchen teachings show us how to look just beyond the conceptual mind, which gives rise to all the thinking and all of our feelings and all of our perceptions and look just below that, and below that is this utter tranquility and stillness. And it's the stillness that we dismiss. We, we don't see that as very meaningful, and so we never pay much attention to it. But that's exactly where we need to be looking. And when we do, and we begin to rest there, so the teachings say, here's what it looks like. Go, to, go in and sit down and meditate on that. And you do, and you spend time there. And as you spend time there, you just begin to acquire knowledge and understanding and a higher truth. So it begins to imbue your whole, not only your awareness, but your very body. So are you able to describe the method? So the method is very basic in one sense. You go in and you look at the mind that's not doing anything. So you look at a mind that has no beginning, no end, has no shape, no color, and so you, you learn to recognize the things that are not there, but what you do know when you're seeing it is that there's the, the one thing that is there is an awareness. And it's this knowing of nothing that turns the nothingness into something. <laughs> right. So, and, and it's just that 
instinctual connection to this awareness that recognizes that nothing is there, that we settle there. We settle our, our full attention there and we just, and we try to stabilize there because what happens right away is thoughts begin to come up and they, the thoughts want to pull you out of that. And so you look at the thoughts and you look at where they're coming from. And again, it comes, the thoughts, you, you look for where they come from and they're coming out of that nothingness again. This turns out to be what the Tibetans call emptiness, because when they say it's, you're looking at a nothingness, they say, well, what, what, what sees that nothing is there? So that's, that nothingness turns it into an emptiness and the emptiness is full and it's full of awareness. And this is it. And so you just, every day, you're just, you're just practicing to recognize this emptiness and then stabilizing it. And that's the, that's the main thrust of the teachings. And then it's up to you as a practitioner to develop in that. So what would you say, because this is what I'm hearing from some people who need meditation and they know they do because they're experiencing anxiety or they're experiencing a lot of stress. Yeah. But when it comes times to sit down and do the meditating, they can't even get there. So because of the anxiousness, so yeah. um, how would you help them get to that state? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I could say um, just a, a couple of things that might help them. Um, first of all, um, nobody's good at it when they first start trying to do it. <laughs> and I think that's something to remember because um, I always like this um, analogy like if you if you were entering into a yoga class for the first time you wouldn't necessarily walk up to the mat and stand on your head <laughs> you know you you would understand that there is a process and there's a certain step-by-step -step training to be done and with that I mean um, give yourself time um, it's very normal to sit down and meditate for the first time and your brain and your thoughts are just going crazy and you sit there and you just feel frustrated because you're not calming your mind down. Well, that's happening because you don't have any training in it. And that's the thing that we do in this life um, to get good at something. You just need to practice. And so... Um, the, my first words of advice would be um, be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself and don't judge yourself. Um, there is no good meditation and bad meditation. Even when you've had years and years of practice in meditation, you can still sometimes sit down and prepare and get ready. And that particular meditation that day is full of thoughts and your thoughts are just flowing and flowing and flowing. Well, that doesn't mean that that was a bad meditation at all. It actually means that um, you are sitting and you are meditating and you are in a state of observance and you are observing your thoughts coming and going. So I think that might help some of your listeners because um, there seems to be a little bit of a misconception about what meditation is. And it's definitely not a practice to be judged as whether you're successful at it or whether you're a failure at it. Um, but sitting down for just a few minutes a day, start small, just try to create um, a daily routine where you could even just start for five minutes and then you can build up a little bit. Eventually, after a few weeks, you might be on 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, and you can build up as you go. But just take it slow. Um, but doing it a little bit every day 
will advance your practice and then you will actually start to realize oh now when I sit down my thoughts aren't going so wild I'm actually now experiencing a little bit of calmness and when you start to realize that you can actually sit there and have a moment of calmness then look and be aware of that moment when for even a split second no thought crosses your mind and at that moment just observe and take note of it and then this recognition in that moment will then turn from a second maybe into two seconds maybe into three seconds and what you're looking to do is just familiarize yourself with that sensation when you've experienced a moment of of pause between thoughts Right. And something I'm hearing with this too, or I'm, I'm, you know, um, realizing through it is we, we form habits so easily. And mm-hmm. right now just being on your phone 24 seven is just a habit. Yes. And, and it takes us away from about as far as we can get away from that pure consciousness and that yes, presence. And so by doing a five minute and then a 10 minute we're creating a new habit of being present with ourselves so that yes. we don't need to default to, you know, being distracted with our devices. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah, also, the great yeah. thing about the, the Dzogchen teachings, but this is true to Buddhism. Uh, Dzogchen is not necessarily a Buddhist tra- teaching, um, but uh, all of the Buddhist teachings lead up to, up to Dzogchen. And what they give you, they don't just throw you wildly into this practice. They, they, they provide a scaffold technique that uh, allows you to focus your attention on, for, for instance, a rock or a statue or your breath. And it, it's a very deliberate practice where if you're battling anxiety, if you're battling just a wild mind, the, it's called shamatha training. And shamatha training is a very, it, it just, it's very simple where you just stick a, a rock out in front of you or something to hold your gaze for any length of time and you just focus on that. And this, this cuts away all the mind chatter and it allows you to stabilize the gaze and observe the thoughts. So it, it gives you um, a foothold to move into this uh, mind to move into the practice without too much stress, without get, letting your anxiety get in the way. So it's a great, it's a great tradition in that you can't really fail. Do, do you find an ideal time of the day where it's easier to meditate than other times? Well, we yeah. do. We, we find for ourselves it's the morning. Um, and that's probably because um, before the day gets active and you have even more things to do than you thought you had to do, um, it, it's, it makes it a little bit easier. We, we actually wake up every morning and we, we make a cup of tea first and then um, take that back to bed, um, give gratitude. Then we do our meditation. And as a reward, we get our coffee. <laughs> You you do the same thing as I do. I, I'll do the same thing. If there's something I don't want to do, I'm like, okay, I really want my latte, but I'll do this first and then I can have it. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. It's a great reward. It is. And actually about creating habits. So, you know, routine That's can help. Habit. That's a good habit. Um, routine can help 
create a habit. So if there is a time that you think is more peaceful to you, um, you know, try to do it every day at that same time, at least just to create the habit. And I did read somewhere that it takes only 21 days to create a habit. So that's another little sort of trick that we could use. If we could just get going for 21 days, then you might find that it becomes a part of your daily routine. Right. Okay. So there's no, no special postures, no breathing, no pranayama. Yeah. Well, it's it's easier to sit upright mm -hmm. in a normal meditative pose, you know, so you want your back straight. That's kind of most important because if you're slouching or if you're really sitting in a, in a, you know, gangly fashion, you kind of, the the thoughts are going to go wild, the more crumpled up you are. So the straighter you are, if your spine is straight, uh, your head's to the sky, your butt is to the ground. This is very conducive to settling the mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, as a long-term practitioner, I could just sit up straight and recognize that the mind is clearing almost on its own. The minute I begin to lay down or go at an angle, I can recognize how quickly the mind begins to stir. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really just a great uh, thing to do just to get right into your meditative pose Whatever feels comfortable for you, obviously, you don't want to hurt yourself. You can put your back up against the wall, put a pillow under your butt. But, you know, really just keep that back straight and just just relax right there and just sit and, and meditate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's called, is it Doshan? Is that right? Am I saying that correctly? Zogchen. Doshan. Zogchen. No, the D is silent. The D is silent, so Zogchen. Zochen. Okay. So you, you describe a little bit about the lineage of it and it just coming about now, like it was hidden for a period of time, correct? Well, it was, I mean, it was not hidden from the U S or the, or the Europe because it just never even arrived here. But even in Tibet for many, many hundreds of years, it was only given to the most advanced students and uh, way back in the day, only the, the, the teacher who knew Dzogchen could only give it to one student in that teacher's lifetime, and that student could only give it to one student in their lifetime. So it was very, very carefully passed along. Um, but things have changed significantly since the Chinese invaded Tibet, and the, uh, the Tibetan masters, even before the Chinese uh, invaded, recognized that it was time to, to kind of let these teachings breathe out into the world and um, they also recognized that the world itself was in need of more practitioners who were conscious of the energies of the earth, who were conscious of what the earth needed, or who were conscious of what humanity needed just to mm -hmm. simply survive. So the, in the last 30 or 40 years, the teachings have been slowly making their way west, and they're now taking root, and they're pretty accessible these days. So what would be the difference between the Dzogchen and, say, any other kind of meditate, meditative practice? Yeah, the, the one difference is the teachings point to you your own inner nature. So medit most meditation practices will say, you know, focus on your breath or let's relax. And this this is great for relaxing. And it, and But in order to move past that membrane into that timeless wisdom being, you have to recognize, you have to be able to see your own nature. And if nobody's pointing it out to you, then you'll never see it because it doesn't reveal itself on its own. 
it, you need to you need to like look through the dark and look for that the thing that's dark in the darkness and only a, only a good master can point this to you so once once it, once they pointed it out to you you go oh my god it's i i know what you look like i've seen you all my life but i didn't recognize you so it's this recognition that's critical and the Dzogchen teachings give you that recognition and then from then they say this is how you want to practice going forward and they leave it to you to develop with always the ability to go back and get calibration get further teachings to but really it's on you as a practitioner to go deeper into that so what you're doing is you're you're noticing the noticer yes correct yes yes Okay, so that's that, that's the main difference. You're really looking looking for yourself without looking in the mirror. <laughs> totally. yeah. Yes, that's look, it. Yeah, when they say yes. you know you're looking into the emptiness and what sees the emptiness? Awareness. Right. Well, whose awareness is it? It's yours. And so the awareness is seeing itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And beautiful time to talk about this because right now we're in a retrograde, which is really a lot about the reflections and we're in ascended numerology, which is something that I practice, we are in an 11 right now, which is the mirror where it's the one looking at the one. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Reflecting each other. So this is this is timely. Um, so share a little bit, too. There's also this um, the, the guru passing on to the student. Can someone do this without having that direct transmission? Um, yes, um, I mean, you can certainly begin and, um, there's nothing stopping anybody from beginning. And, um, I think, well, you should get a transmission from a master at some point in your life when you feel ready. And, and as C mentioned, perhaps make a trip to a master and, um, revisit them perhaps once a year or once every couple of years whenever you feel that you need like a recalibration to your teachings but um but yes the the zogchen is a living tradition and so um all of the teachers pass to their students in person the transmission and this is a a live living transmission um, a mind transmission, as it were, of the teachings to the students. So ultimately, though, that doesn't stop you from beginning the practice. Um, like C mentioned, there are many preliminary practices to begin just to, to learn um, a meditation technique to calm your mind and prepare yourself. And and I must say that you can get incredible teachings by reading the written books of the great Tibetan masters. And um, they are very, very explicit in their written word. And you almost feel like their transmissions are coming through the page as you read them. And, and many of these books are actually scribed from them speaking to their Sangha. So it's, it really is an incredible experience. So you can, you can get way on your path um, with this technique and with this tradition. At some point, though, yes, um, you should when it's possible, seek out um, um, a retreat or a visit to a master. So what have you noticed as far as benefits from doing this? Um, Profound. uh, Yes, profound. profound. I mean, you you speak of your listeners, you know, battling anxiety or they don't even want to go into meditation because of anxiety. Dzogchen cuts right to the center of anxiety. It cuts right to the center of depression. Uh, 
fear, anger. And it doesn't do it um, as like a, a taser gun, you know, <laughs> but it does it in a way where it opens up so much space within you that the, all of these conditions just kind of vaporize on their own. Um, I myself battled quite severe anxiety growing up. And as a result of that, moved into periods of depression. And I was just, you know, marveling at how that all just, I just recognized one day it was all gone um, after practicing Dzogchen for a few years. And so, um, and this is like, everybody who practices Dzogchen has a similar story. It's, so it's, it's quite amazing because what you're doing is you're looking at the condition, you're looking at the self that is be beneath all of that. And that gives rise to all of that. So, you know, when some of your listeners say, I, I don't want to meditate because of my anxiety, part of the practice is to look directly at that anxiety and to say, okay, where's that anxiety coming from? And you just look right in and the minute you begin to look for it, it disappears. The minute you take your eye off it, it reappears. So then you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. I can, I can look at where this anxiety is coming from and it goes away. So this is, this is a, another benefit from the practice. It, it puts all of your, all the skill in your own hands. It doesn't give it to a doctor. It doesn't give it to pills. Mm -hmm. It says you could do it. Mm -hmm. Right. That, and it makes a lot of sense from a medical intuitive perspective. So yes. mm -hmm. um, as far as my background, a lot of the anxiety is just anxious energy of whatever. So maybe it was a trauma or a hurt or whatever coming up to be released. And oftentimes that release is us just taking a breath, us yeah. just looking at it and not judging it and letting it move or just exercising to let it out. Yes. But oftentimes we don't want to feel that hurt or that pain that comes with it. So we don't look at it. So we defer to distracting. You yes. look at something else so we don't have to look at this. Yes. And if you just go to that place where you're looking at it, you just, you know, the energy will move through very quickly. Yes. And it's not that bad. You can cry it out. You can scream it out. But That's the, right. point, the point is just to notice it. And oftentimes it'll just lift. So, yes. um, you that know, and it's, yeah. And it's the same with depression or any of those things. We spend a lot of time denying it because it hurts. Yeah. But if yeah. we just took the time to be present with it, you know, either through a, a breath or even a quick, I mean, you can just do a quick lift up and just be aware and notice yes. and, and dissolve some of those things very quickly. That is totally. so true. Totally. And actually, um, just under a year ago, I actually, um, I was walking the dogs and I fell over, tripped, got dragged, and I actually broke uh, pretty much all the fingers in my left hand. And so I was sitting in ER in excruciating pain, as you can imagine. And there was a whole line. So I think I was there for three or four hours. I just sat there and meditated. And I was, um, I was blown away by the power of the meditation using exactly the same technique. I was just putting my focus and my whole awareness directly on this pain and each time I did it, the, this incredible intense pain just literally disappeared. 
And for three or four hours, um, I, I didn't even take painkillers. I was sitting there waiting and I was just using the meditation technique. If somebody crossed my path and distracted me and I looked up and I watched them, boom, the pain came back. <laughs> but then I would go back to that meditation and it was, and of course I used it over a period of few weeks, you know, more, much more regularly while my hand was mending. So you can do it with physical pain in your body as well. Sure. Pre presence is healing. Yeah. Yeah. Healing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In every way, even if it's physical. Yeah. We, we spend so much time wanting to deny those coarse emotions and, and coarse feelings. And in doing so, we make it so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. If we could just turn everything around and just make it our point to look at everything be yes. present with everything yes and as you said as well like let those emotions come it's okay to cry and it's okay to um let those emotions arise and let them out and let them flow and release them so yeah i totally we totally agree with you so is there i i want to get to your magazine too um yeah. but is there anything more that you feel is important or you'd like to share about the zochan well, gosh, I mean, maybe maybe it would be good just to mention the idea about um, just all of the the sort of the labels. And, you know, when you go in, just be aware that all of the labels and construct that we create about ourselves, I think that would be a good. I don't know. Um, I mean, well, I'm happy to move on to the magazine if, if, if that's where you, you want to go next, because it, it it is such a complex philosophy that I, I wouldn't even know which hard to pick out and speak to more. I mean, if you want to speak to the labels, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there's, I'll, I'll definitely have the links here so people can link, link on and go get more information. Um, Cause you've written an entire book about yes. it. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and the, book, yes. the book does speak to, you know, looking at, you know, when you, when you're feeling depressed or when you're feeling anxiety, you know, how, how to actually look directly at that. It really does give mm -hmm. great techniques on how to move inwards um, and explore your own being in its totality. Yes. Yeah, I love that. And that is so important right now because the media and everything out there is really working at trying to get us to to go outside of ourselves. Yes. <laughs> That's true. To yes. look at this and to look at that and be upset about this and upset about that. And we could go crazy when, if we could yeah. get more people rallying on, on turning that all off and down and going inside here, yes. we, we could, we could calm society very quickly if, if we could yeah. enough people to do that. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's, by the way, that's the media's job. They're always going right. to be trying to pull you out. So it's right. your job right. to counteract that by mm -hmm. looking inward and taking your own inner landscape as the number one domain to explore. Forget exploring all those other ridiculous domains, the social media platforms. I mean, yes, they could be fun, but television, all of these things, the most important domain you can explore is your own inner world. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Okay. So you started a magazine, correct? Yes. Yes. It's so tell Riot, Riot Material. And Riot Material is a kind of a literary, cultural magazine. We look at art. We look at film, uh, music. Um, I, I, I love music, so I'll post the latest and great 
great new dance tracks or, you know, whatever, whatever cool new track I think is relevant for today's ears. I, I posted on the site under Riot Sounds. Um, but it's really just a, an, ex, an expression of how we perceive art, Rachel and I. And we've been running this magazine for about six or seven years now. We've never had advertising because, again, we don't want that whole kind of peripheral media getting in there and kind of distorting things. So, you know, it's all out of pocket, all born of the heart. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful little magazine. It was, sounds lovely. And so how, how do you, do, do you have spiritual practices and spiritual writers and meditative techniques and all that kind of stuff as part well, of that as well? Well, not, not yet. No. <laughs> no, not yet. Um, it is, a, it's truly an art magazine. I mean, here we are speaking to the, to spirit and I've written a book on spirit and moving it, but the magazine is, is not really that. And uh, we get a lot of like people going, really? That's funny. <laughs> um, um, but it's true. I mean, there is, um, um, we do want to venture into that. I mean, we yeah. do have um, entering the mind has its own um, column, as it were, in the magazine. And so, um, you know, we're looking to build that out as the coming months and years evolve. Um, so we really want to bring that aspect into the magazine. But we've always seen um, both the artistic um, the artistic creative endeavors uh, going hand in hand with the spiritual meditative path. And, you know, we see that these are the last frontiers of humanity, you know, uncensored art and uncentered journeying within. And, you know, and they go hand in hand and we see these as, you know, these are the soul warriors of our times. So artists, meditators, spiritual practitioners and and travelers and journeyers, you know, we see them all working hand in hand to evolve our humanity, humanity and, and evolve the collective consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's such a tie between meditation and artists and musicians and poet yeah. people who write poetry. I mean, I, I can remember being at an event while I was watching an artist doing um, some kind of a portrait and I was standing behind her actually feeling her bringing in the channeled message mm. of the painting. And nice. I was so fascinated by being able to connect with her channel that I stood yeah. there for the longest time watching her paint and was able to be in the flow with her. So it's, it, there's so many, you know, musicians too, I've watched the same thing where it just, they'll, they'll come together with no music in front of them and they'll just play together intuitively yes. in, in, in great yeah. meditation. And, and like you said, yeah, just yeah. completely in the flow. Yeah. And yeah. that is, it's, it's a gift and it's a shared gift. It's coming from that same source. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Um, well, no, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just been such a pleasure to share our journey. And, um, you know, we just hope that 
um, you know, your audience also finds what it is that inspires them. And that could be a creative process. It could be a meditation process. Um, there's no right or wrong. And um, if you're able just to set aside just a few minutes a day to be with yourself and sit still from that stillness, so many beautiful things can come. So we wish and hope that for everybody. Right. Absolutely. And what I'm, what I'm hearing too, as you're sharing this, I know the biggest reason why people have a hard time looking at themselves or being present with themselves is because they still have a judgment. They're still yeah. not totally loving themselves or they're not really liking who they are. So, yeah. you know, any kind of practice of self-love, practice of looking in the mirror and saying yeah. you love yourself, even when you don't, just to begin with that. And eventually, the more you learn to love and like yourself, then the more you can be present and, and look deeper and yes. maybe get to that that meditative state. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. And spe yeah. spending that time with yourself really is the beginning of that. Even if it's just, mm -hmm. you know, if you sat down and just watched your breath go in and out of your body, that miraculous one movement in and out. Mm -hmm. is the beginning of recognizing that something else is going on. It's just not us showing up on this planet and just just moving around. There, we're, There's a whole process of being alive mm -hmm. that begins with the breath. But So just observe that for a couple of days. And then let that observance move a little bit deeper into the body. You know, where, do you, where are you feeling a pain inside you? Is it in your knee? Why is it there? Are you feeling gaseous inside? Maybe you're not eating right. So the more you spend time just observing yourself, the more you get to know yourself, the more you come to love yourself because there's so much to love about yourself. I mean, we are beautiful, beautiful individuals. If we just give, give ourselves time, mm -hmm. give our own selves time, that's all we need to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, it has been a pleasure having you both here. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much, Jerry. We've like totally enjoyed ourselves. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening in to Light Laughter and Lattes. It has been my honor and pleasure. Please visit jerryhab.wix.com and check out my services and my packages. I work with people in person and from a distance, and I also give free 15-minute consultations. And so until next week, may your week be filled with light, laughter, and a whole lot of love. <laughs>